If the work week is stressing you out and you're searching for a relaxing Sunday morning vibe, then come over and enjoy Sunday mornings with a cup of Joe with your host, Joey Stacks, as he takes you on a weekly journey for your soul that starts with a relaxing cup of Joe. So if you're in need of some great conversation with a splash of Neo Soul, then you're in the right place. So tune in as we catch a cool vibe with Sunday mornings with a cup of Joe. Welcome to another episode of Sunday Mornings with a Cup of Joe. I'm your host, Joe. In today's episode, we have a special guest in the building, my homeboy, Jeremy Jackson. Hey, hey. Jeremy Jackson is somebody special, man. I'm going to let him actually get in and introduce himself because my friend Jeremy just so happens to be the pastor of his own church that he's founded. Yes, sir. So, Jeremy, can you please introduce yourself to the world? What's up? What's up, people? People, this is uh, Jeremy Jackson, man. Uh, I am uh, the founding pastor of Beyond Church of uh, Irving, Texas. And so, yeah, man, um, that's what it is. Yes, indeed. Now, the thing about my homeboy, Jeremy, is he is the founder of his own church. A lot of people talk the religion. A lot of people talk the word. It's not too many young black men that have been able to found their own church. To um, I like to, I like to call... I like to call Jeremy one of the new, kind of like new wave of preachers that mixes the social media in mm-hmm. with the word. Uh, me and my girl actually watches. <laughs> we used to watch his, uh, watch yeah. his, your, your Sunday sermons, and we play them back yeah. on the big screen TV and stuff. And uh, that was actually my first time seeing a sermon or a service on the internet. Mm-hmm over facebook wow. live yeah that was a, wow. a big thing yeah yeah so that was very innovative to me and um i see you go live a lot to give out your mm-hmm. words and your motivational quotes and speeches and mm-hmm. stuff and um yeah. i wanted to let you know like i wanted to have you on my show because man i am like i tell all my guests man especially you man i'm very proud of you from where you came to where you have got oh, to now you know oh, what i'm man. saying Appreciate i have it. I have been knowing you since, man, I met you back in the early 2000s at Langston University. Yeah, almost, almost 20 years now. Almost. Yes, indeed. At Langston University, um, I met you and your good friend, uh, Jeremiah Johnson. Uh, yeah. I met you two guys. Uh, I met y'all around campus just hanging out, but I also met you guys dealing with music. Yeah. I know you guys from being the absolutely the two man tandem. <laughs> um, oh yeah, man! Y'all guys sing, play the piano. Two of the most talented singer piano combos, man, that yeah. I have almost seen. I, I can you uh tell me about how you got started in the music? Because I know that music is a big part of your life. Yeah, yeah, it's absolutely. Um, it's two things, man: music and and like. God, those two things are like constant in my life. But um, just like with Jeremiah and the rest of the guys, man, we was uh, we grew up in in a little country town called Duncan, Oklahoma, man. And and um, you know, 
uh, music was kind of like it found us. You know what I'm saying? Um, we met me and JJ. We met at like 13, 14 years old, and uh, you know, music kind of took me away from the hood. You know what I'm saying? From you know being affiliated with you know a Crip gang and 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 all of that. Uh, it's it's one of those things to where if music hadn't been what it was, then I know. You know what I'm saying? I would have been straight up full-fledged gangbanging. See, a lot of people always hear straight that up. story of the gang member that turned to a pastor, that turned to mm-hmm. this. But how how did the music guide you kind of away from the streets? Was it Did it give you something to do? Was it the, yep. the passion that it invoked in you? Right, right, right. So how music, it's very simple. What music did for me, because you got to think, you know what I'm saying, like, I grew up and I was affiliated with a Crip gang, you know? So you got to think, you know, where I come from, you either sell dope, you know what I'm saying, or nothing else, you know what I'm saying? So well, there you go. <laughs> it was dope, church, or music. And so uh, we just happened to, I happened to be around a lot of older guys, like I said, Jeremiah, and then they was already singing or whatever. So when I jumped in with them and then uh, got with Goose, what took me away from it was we spent our time in other cities on For y'all the that don't know who Goose is, Goose is our other friend <laughs> who act, who, who's on the sh- who's be on the show on the upcoming episode. Yeah. My homeboy Jay West. So go yeah. ahead and finish. <laughs> finish. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm talking like we're talking on the porch. But yeah. no, that hey, but, but that that's good because we always do this in every episode. We get in and we start saying nicknames. All the thing I do have to re tell people who the nicknames is, but keep on going. <laughs> yeah. So long story short, man, like music guided me away from that. Because although I was that, I was able to channel that with music and be away from the hood when something was going on or something crazy was happening. I was always stayed somewhere singing or somewhere else out of town making money. And so I didn't have to sell dope because I made my contributions for whatever, whatever from the music. So and and then when 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 the big homies or the other guys in the neighborhood seen the potential and the talent or whatever going on, they would they would encourage you to stay over there on on that side, doing the music, you know what I'm saying? You still got respect, but you music thing, you feel me? And let these other, these other cats, these knuckleheads ain't got no talent. They're self dope. You know what I mean? Did you, ever, did you ever feel any pressure to be on the, like, to even, like, indulge in it, even when you knew that it probably wasn't your lane or that you wanted to do something else? Did you feel pressure from other people, uh, mm. you know, around you? Or like no. you said, did your, OG, your OGs looked out for you and was like, hey, look, check it out. We need you to be doing mm-hmm. your thing, like, mm-hmm. like. It just kind of, it just kind of kept it away, you know what I'm saying? Because it was like, you know what I'm saying? Um, no pressure. It just was. It's just like if you have a kid in school that you know is super talented in football or basketball, you're like, man, get on over here, don't go, man, you go shoot hoop. You know what I'm saying? So the pressure wasn't there. It was just the respect was there from everybody around. So, you know, I think whenever we don't feel that we're respected then we're pressured into doing things to get that respect. You know what I'm saying? But I already had it from the music. So no, I didn't feel it from none of my, from none of my partners. Everybody, everybody, we all kind of respected what everybody did. Okay. Yeah. See, that's cool. See, you know something, that's the difference between now with OGs. When I was young, OGs used to tell you like, Hey man, stay away from there. Hey man, you a hooper, go hoop. But nowadays OGs like, yeah, man, I need you to go do this. Like take this strap and run over there and clear that out so I can come over there and take over. And right. It's like it's like man, where is all the guidance at? Like it seemed like Ignorance. we lost the guidance. 
Like we lost. Yeah, no doubt about it. We we have, and so we re- we certainly have. And music, music was a constant for me from the age of fourteen. You know, I was traveling all over the place, and then like I said, me and Goose, we made money entertaining. We made money dancing. We will make. You got to think. You're thirteen. I mean, you fourteen years old. You know what I'm saying? And you got to have security at your shows because the young ladies is attacking you when you're on stage. And you know what I'm saying? We're making three or four hundred dollars. You know what I'm saying? A show. You know what I'm saying? And when you fit fourteen years old, three or four hundred dollars a show. You know what I'm saying? You renting out a hotel room. That's big business. That's big business. You know what I'm saying? That's big business. <laughs> it was huge. So nah, but it, 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 it give you that. It give you that hope still though. That that like, like yeah, we doing. We going in the right direction. You know, it give you that hope. You going in the right direction. So you say you grew up in uh, Duncan, Oklahoma. Yes, sir. I grew up in Duncan, Oklahoma, man. So how um, very small? How was the demographics down there? Because I I've been down there. Uh, one mm-hmm. of the things that uh. One of the things that surprised me when I got down there, everybody was like, "Where are we going to the black pool or the white pool?" <laughs> and they was right. like, "Yeah, there's like." Right. So I wanted to ask you about that because a lot of people probably, first of all, Duncan, Oklahoma is I, if if I'm not mistaken, is the home of Halliburton, or exactly Earl P. Halliburton. That's right. Right. So yeah, so big money down there. <laughs> a lot of big money down there. Big money down there, but big money. I'm guessing because I heard them say black and white pool. Was it a separation? of racist or racial yeah. tension or explain to me how it was growing up being black from the, a small town in a predominantly white ran state like Oklahoma. Facts. So Duncan is a very segregated city. You know what I'm saying? Was a very segregated city and a very prejudiced town, even, even to this day. Um, and you got to think if there's 30,000 people in Duncan, there might be 2,500 Negroes. Mm, mm. So the majority of so all of us live on the east side. It's 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 just like on the TV. On the east side, across the train tracks. Whenever you cross the train tracks, the roads get bad, the street signs get faded, and you have number of Negroes, drugs, and everything else that come along. And so in Duncan, on the east side, that's where we all grew up at. We grew up with a white pool. The white pool was the pool out there off the highway. You could see real nice. The black pool was in the black neighborhood. All the black kids rode a black bus. Mm. Bus five or bus twenty one, you know what I'm saying? Like we all rode one bus. <laughs> Man, huh. so so you got to experience a little bit of what some people see in movies or heard of that go that went on a long time ago. You kind of got to experience that though, but in our generation. No, no, you, you gotta understand like firsthand. Like you gotta think when I was in the fifth grade, I believe there was a um, there was a, a, a Mexican guy that got murdered in cold blood by the police police got up shot up under the car where he was hiding at and killed him you understand Man. right there in duncan oklahoma and then you got to think you know what i'm saying like gang culture was what it was when i was there as a teenager but there was one particular night you know what i'm saying i wasn't even in, involved in the situation it was just a fight in the hood whole couple blocks over police see us on the porch me and my homeboy and they just just looking for somebody to harass, and they found us. So they accosted us, man. Made me put my hands behind my head, and like I braced my hands behind my head. The police officer took the pistol, zero of the gun, and wheezed it between my fingers to where the barrel is literally on the back of my dome. Man, talking crazy to me, man. and I'm like 14, 15 years old. Now how you does, how does so, that how yeah. does that 
how back then did that make your outlook of different like the separation between white and black did it did you really feel that you know people say like the underlying pressure of like it's a you know it's a thing like it's a white against black thing did you feel like that or like when when did you realize that okay now let me better word this did you see a lot of successful blacks when you was coming up believe it or not <clears throat> i've seen a lot of successful blacks because a lot of them were in my family okay and you got to think like my grandmother had one of the boominess one of the biggest um daycares in the in the hood i mean made great money okay my great grandmother was an entrepreneur and a and a, and a uh, civil rights activist you know what i'm saying in our neighborhood you know okay. what i'm saying like okay. we grew up i had some people in my family that were that did well you know what i'm saying and then there were some people that didn't do so well you feel me and believe it or not i had white people who 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 uh, you know white folks say i've got some of my, some of my good friends are black mm -hmm. well I, some of my good friends are white and as a kid i met some good white folks good white people who didn't see color who took me in who took care of me so i was able to know that there's some evil in everyone okay so and that's some, what i was saying you, you, was, saying? you was able to realize the difference like man there's something going on that's different than every you know what i'm saying than what they're saying like because i see good i got friends that's cool they parents cool right. we go eat but then also i see mrs birchowicz who don't want us nowhere over there near her street like like you know what right. i'm saying like right. yeah so right. when so as you was coming up in, uh in oklahoma when did you migrate towards oklahoma city or was it or how did you do it what was your first migration yeah, so, from your small city so you gotta think like you know what I'm saying? Like for me, like Duncan is very small, very family orientated. You know what I'm saying? Everybody know everybody. But I went to Oklahoma City in junior high. You know what I mean? And then I would spend some summers up there too. So I moved to Oklahoma City, went to school in junior high school in Oklahoma City, where that's where gang culture really got, got popping. You know what I'm saying? So that's where, you know what I'm saying? I really, you know, took on that that identity and really took on took on that 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 style of life. But Oklahoma City was a different world for me. That's why I'm about to ask you, how you different think. was it? Yeah, to let us know how different it was. Yeah. So it was different like this <clears throat> because in Oklahoma City, you know what I'm saying, I went to Hoover Middle School. It was like crazy because I'm in the I'm in a hood school. Like, bro, we had to have, you know how you go through the airport, you got to put your bag on the thing. And metal take, detectors, yeah. We had, we had those metal detectors and those lines going into junior high school, you know what I'm saying, every day. But here's the thing. All of these hood school, all of these hood Negroes in this school, but it was in a predominantly, it was in a in a successful neighborhood. So my granddaddy, you know what I'm saying, was the one that had the, the stretch bins laid to the flow, super nice, crazy house in what would be a gated community at this time and age. You feel mm -hmm. me? So it showed me that black folks can do well too, and they on every level, you know what I mean? Right. You just so I, I saw I saw both sides, you know what I mean? Okay. Okay, see, it, so what was the so what was the difference? Was it a difference far as like the racial climate when you moved to the city, or was absolutely it, or like how was like so talk to me like about how was it when you got to the city? Was it did was it more like a diverse kind of or or did you see like uh, was it more blacks? You know what I'm saying? Like what was going on in absolutely. the city that was different? <clears throat> well, here's the thing. What was going on in the city was some, <laughs> I'm going to make up a phrase. 
what was going on in the city is what I would call sophisticated racism. Okay, okay. Elaborate, you know elaborate. Yeah, so what I mean is, like, when I moved to Oklahoma City, I moved into a neighborhood that had a lot of white folks and had some black folks, too, who had decent jobs. But the neighborhood school was filled with a bunch of, you know, Negroes, like, you know what I'm saying, the real kind, you know what okay. I mean? So we, we, were, we, were, we were in our own culture. When I left that school, I went across the highway to a school in Edmond, which is predominantly white. But I say sophisticated because they only allowed us or black folks to move to a certain part of Edmond. And that's the school I went to. So in that all-white school, there was a small little section of black folks, and that's when OJ was on trial. Mm. So we got a chance. It got a, it got a chance to show me that it was even though I'm in a city, and it's a bigger city, it's still an us-versus-them scenario no matter how much money you make, no mm. matter where you live. See, that's interesting. A lot of people think, like, when you move up out of your small town that it changes and that everything yeah. becomes an equally driven playing field, but they don't know, right. like, sometimes the dynamics of the systematic oppression just changes. It exactly. just changes. Like, it's not, like like you said, it was 30,000 with 2,500 blacks. Now it's 30,000 blacks with 100,000 whites. Right. You know what I'm saying? It, it, with 10,000 mm. 10, blacks with really good jobs. You know what I'm saying? So it do, right. the demographic of the change. Now, at this time, were you still doing music and stuff? Like uh, At that time, <clears throat> when I was in the city... I wasn't doing any music whatsoever. I didn't start doing music again until I got back to the country. If I had stayed in Oklahoma City, my mom moved me. But if I had stayed in Oklahoma City, then I probably would have been for real, for real, full-fledged gangbanging because the only reason I did music is because my partners did music. And really and truly, I didn't start doing music until I got back from Oklahoma City. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. That's when I met Jeremiah. When I when I moved back in June, junior high that's the I, jeremiah was the first person that i started hanging out with and that's how i got into the music oh, okay and that's my man too that's my man it's that boy yeah y'all boys got it y'all some of the two between you jeremiah west yeah and now even the even the coven y'all got some y'all some talented brother <laughs> i ain't no hater I'm, i ain't no i ain't no hater man yeah the Coven is talented. I wanted to throw him in there. Yeah, he got talented. I had to sure. throw him in there, talent. man. Yeah, y'all some talent, but for real, yeah. man, you, you, Wes and Jeremiah, man, uh, y'all are some of the most talented people I ever met, for real. Like, you know, I didn't been um, around all the, like the writers and, and like likewise, the, the, likewise like the Dream, and I didn't be, I didn't been around all the the uh, tricky tricky Wilsons and the Dreams and all the tricky Stewarts and all the writers, the good uh, the Sean Garretts and everything, and I tell you. Yes, indeed. If you two brothers wanted to go and do the, the Lemonade 2 album, you guys can definitely go write that. Like, for real. Y'all can. I yeah. Did, I'm sure I'm pretty much sure y'all could help Kanye come back if y'all wanted to, for real. Like, I. Man, and, and Joe, why they. And what they really need to know is see, most people know, and it's just me, just. It's a, it's a shameless. Uh, shameless plug. All plugs are good plugs. I'm an idiot. <laughs> I'm a, I'm an ignorant fool on the producing. Like I can sing and rap and do all that, but bruh, like, like I, I love to produce music. You know, I produce tracks like you, you know how we used to do, for nothing. Yeah. Oh yeah. No, because I remember before I signed my deal with JR Records, I tell people I used to buy beats and stuff 
production from guys 20 25 bucks 30 bucks it was like we would just get together work in the studio and like man we came up with some songs my first songs was written by the hooks was written by jeremiah and you i think yeah like uh yeah yeah man i had <laughs> man we have had remember some when light, you remember when jeremiah did life camera lights camera uh -huh. action remember he did that man we was dead like that. that was a big thing I produced that beat in my sleep, nigga. It was like twelve in the morning. Man. I did it in like ten minutes. That song was fire. If anybody uh never heard of uh, Jeremiah's songs, he has a song called Light Cameras Action. Uh, man, it's he got a CD. What's do you know, I forgot the name of the CD, but he has a CD that came out uh, when we was on JR Records. Man, I'm gonna find the name of the CD and drop it on the episode, but. Y'all gotta I think go it's check called, that out. His was called Advanced. Yeah, Advanced. That's what it was. Y'all go Google yeah. that. Find that. Sound, click it, sound, cloud it. Find that. That's some of the hottest yeah. work ever. And I'm going to keep it funky, and I'm going to get a little messy right now. Tank stole my homeboy style. Yeah, stole he did. He some did of my that. my homeboy working. We're going to get to that when we interview Jeremiah. We're going to actually talk to about that because... That's something that yeah. people need to know because you always hear, you know, like when Kendrick or J. Cole come out, you hear people be like, so-and-so stole stole my rap or stole this. And then you hear it and you be like, eh, kind of, but could have been. Not really. We don't understand it. But uh, as knowing him and um, being there around that time, yeah, man, that's almost a 90, 95%. Maury would have to say, yeah, he's a thief. <laughs> yeah. Maury would have to say he's yeah, a thief. Yeah, Jeremiah, man, he... He re he produced. I mean, he released Advance in uh, in two thousand something or another, and then uh, I released Life Stories in two thousand twelve. And see, and that's and I, yeah. See, you know something. So what? So did you start your music? So so do you consider yourself a gospel artist? Uh, no, not at all. Okay, now what? Why wouldn't you consider yourself a gospel artist per se? Um, I say this gospel music to me. I love it and I can appreciate it, but to some degree, I feel like it's limited to a certain group of people. And, and I just, I, I don't, I don't, I wouldn't want to limit my music to a certain group of people, uh, in terms of culture. Right. But, um, I'm not a gospel artist. No, you know what I mean? I haven't. I haven't produced anything or written any, I haven't um, released any albums for the gospel world. And to be honest with you, uh, when I do, do produce or do release an album, uh, yo, yo, yo. Yo, yo. Yes, indeed. So like what we were talking about, you said, <laughs> that you didn't consider yourself a gospel artist because it limits yourself? Yeah, it limits you to, to like a certain genre. You know what I mean? And um that's just not that's just not where my heart is at. Like if I'm gonna do anything music wise, I would like to I would like to, to, to create the kind of music that a Christian and a non Christian can listen to and basically writing about relationships and real life situations where we do have to pray, where we do have to, you know, call on God, where we do have to, you know, uh, you know, make up and do things his way. So it's just a, it's just, I'm more or less on the other side of that. So can you, can you do that, um, safely? 
you know, make music for both without being, yes, you know, without them coming down on you. <laughs> yeah, you can. You absolutely can. Because in the Bible, the Song of Solomon was a, was, is a book of poetry and song, and it talks explicitly about relationship, you know what I'm saying, between a man and his wife. And honestly, the, 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 the way you do that safely is you just talk about love, life, and real situations. Like, if I'm a Christian, bro, and she's a Christian, and she's fine or whatever— like, bro, I'm not finna go speak to her and be like, hey, bless the Lord, how are you? That's no. what, okay, you feel so, me? Like, that's not happening. So that's the thing, yeah. So people don't know that, though. People think... Right. So, the, so okay, let's let's talk about this, okay? Um, first of all, let's get into your title. So you are a pastor? Yes, sir. I'm a pastor. So what is the difference between a pastor, preacher, bishop, reverend, are we talking? Okay. Are we talking? Yeah, like explain it to me. Let me know. All right, cool. So here, here, here's the basis of my church. Here's the basis of what I believe, and I'm going to answer the question. Like, we complicate things in church that do not need to be complicated. The Bible doesn't complicate it, and neither do, neither do I. So, in the Bible, the word pastor, of course, is another phrase for elder. An elder is what really, you know, elders are who really run your churches. And out of that, out of those elders, there's one who has a specific calling to be a pastor, which means to be a shepherd or uh, to be the, the chief servant of a group of people. You okay. know what I'm saying? It's almost like if you got a, an elder board and you have the chairman. Okay. And the chairman is kind of like the leader in a sense. Okay. So it's like the. The higher ups, and then whoever is chosen to be the leader, leader, like the person that that comes and round everybody up and get everybody right. together. Okay, will be your in a sense pastor. Okay, you see what I'm saying? Bishop is the same word for overseer, which is the same word for elder. So, do you choose which one that you want to call yourself, or you can choose whatever one you want to call yourself because it depended on the culture, it depended on um, who was using the language at the time. You okay. know what I'm saying? So some might say that's a pastor or a pastor so and so. Some might say bishop so and so. Because you got like bishop, because you, you got like Bishop T D Jakes. Right. So he's Pastor T D Jakes or Bishop T D Jakes. Okay. So if I quit walked up to him and be like, hey, hey, Pastor, he wouldn't be like, hey, hey, nah. Listen, right. Listen, little little homie. So he may he might do that, but that's more or less that's more or less his feelings than more so anything. Okay. Because at the end of the day, when you boil the water out of the pot, it just simply means overseer. Okay, okay. The person who oversees the operations of the church. Okay, and we got one more. What's a deacon? Okay, so a deacon is, it works like this. The deacon is the one, according to the word of God, okay, let me just do it like this. The deacon is the person who helps or assists the pastor manage the flock. Okay, okay, yeah, yeah, okay. That's simple. Okay, assistant teacher, assistant principal, same thing. Assistant principal. Okay, cool. So, all right, now we got that out of the way. So now yeah. we want to talk about the image of black pastors. Okay. Right? Now, you know, the image of black pastors, man, you got the, yeah. the fly suits, the fly suits, you know what I'm saying? The, the, the Cadillac. You know yeah, what I'm saying? yeah, yeah, yeah. And sleeping with women in the congregation or being a little bit. You know, a little bit too spicy. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? A little bit too friendly with the yeah, with the yeah. friendly folks. Yeah, yeah. You know. So, but yeah. now I wanted to ask you, 
how long have you been an actual preacher, a pastor? Okay. How okay. long have you been a pastor for? Okay, so unbeknownst to a lot of people, I actually started preaching at 17. Yes, I, I, def- I definitely know. <laughs> I preached my first sermon at 17. Ooh. And then, you know, I did my own thing. I got off on my own streak for about 10 years. So I've been pastoring for now going on four, uh, four years, going on five years now. Okay. Okay, so was it was it a choice that you made personally or was, did you get a calling? So <clears throat> it chose me. Was it one of them things you couldn't run from or was exactly. it something that, you know, did you wake up one day? Were, were you going through something? Like explain to me around that time of chess always you know because I, I know you have played church and mu- i mean music in church right uh, i i know y'all from being around a church right all the time right. when did you go from that what happened or was it something that happened between that point and the point where you was like you know something i were ready i'm ready to do it i'm ready to lead to right. be this leader so it was something that had been that i had ran from since 2000 and three okay okay and i never wanted it because you got to think i never wanted to start a church i never wanted to be a pastor because i just didn't like it i didn't i I thought it was i just it was whack to me you know what i mean and i didn't want no parts of it because of the because of the imagery because of what i've seen i just didn't like it i didn't want to be a part so i ran from it Mm -hmm. and at Three or four different. The fourth time, it, it, you ran four r- times right. You ran, you ran right to South Padre with us. You understand me? <laughs> right, right into the devil's lap. We was down there. We was down there. Thug, totally yeah. not thinking. Listen, listen. You know what I'm saying? Whoa, Padre out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <But> <laughs> I can't say nothing to incriminate. Don't yeah, I said, I said, I said, it was a long, long time ago. I said, but man, I just. But I remember you being around us. You know what I'm saying? Every absolutely. day. I remember and not being. Like, absolutely. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? So I'm so finish going to explain to me like, you know. <laughs> so what, the transition was like this, man. Like I always ran from it because I never wanted to commit to nothing like that. Ever. It was so much easy just to play music and get your check and go home and live how you want to live. And everybody looking at you crazy and you ain't got to report to none of this or that or the other. So all of that changed for me. Um, around about um, 2012, you got to think there are many people who knew me on the other side of music and was like, "Man, what you waiting on?" You know, so you should have been pastoring years ago. You, you know, this and that and the other. And I'm like, nah, I ain't trying to hear that." So when I moved from Oklahoma City to Dallas, I had just released my my uh, album, and it was doing well, and I was getting ready to do some promo stuff and all that. And then when I moved to Texas, man, it was like a um, so about a year after that, man, things just, you know, I just kind of said, God, I'm, I just felt like God was pulling me, you know, back into ministry, but not to pastor a church. And long story short, man. Um, was, thing going, was, was, was things going bad for you necessarily? Because, you know, everybody always had the cliche story like, man, I was homeless. I ain't had nothing. I was down to my last. And then I just had to be like, you know what I'm saying? People right. had that story. But for you. Where you just maintain and living regular, and you just felt that it was something pulling you to like, look, man, this you need to be on this side, right? So the thing is, is the whole time I was doing music, 
there was something pulling on me like a hole in my soul, which I knew that that was that God had more for me because I had already preached and I taught and and that was just a part of my life. You know what I'm saying? But um, things were going well. You know what I'm saying? You got to think. Now I was making great money with my band. You know what I'm saying? I didn't leave at the bottom of the game. I left at the top. I left when my band was flourishing, where I had money coming left and right, album selling, you know, all that. Yes, so, we, we will get into your cover band years, too, because you definitely yeah, you definitely were showing up. You, were, you did so, that for sure. When did that thing. So when I moved to Texas, no, I wasn't on the bottom of nothing. Matter of fact, man, I was doing well. And what happened was I started, I came to Texas. I ended up helping the church out in Texas with their music. So I was doing just their music only. And then uh, one day, the pastor was like, man, you know, he wanted me to preach because he heard I was a preacher, so he wanted me to fill in for him, so I preached. And from that day on, it was like, you know, I was like, man, God, I'm, I'm just going to focus on ministry stuff and preaching. And I'm a, and, and at the same time, it's like the music thing just kind of, you know, started, started getting real chill. And I was like, okay, God, so I'm just going to focus on this preaching. In the midst of that, and I'm not kidding, in the midst of that, the pastor resigns out of nowhere. Just quit. Quit. Moved back to Baltimore and basically was like, God told me that this is the, I'm to leave this in your hands. And I'm like, nah, I ain't ready for that. And, and this, I'm serious. The day he called me and told me I'm resigning and that I believe you're next in line, I went and got me a drink. <laughs> it was a lot to handle. Because... <laughs> You got to think, Joe, and I'm, I'm a very transparent person. At that time, this was the fourth time something like this had happened in my life. That you didn't felt that it was knocking at your front door. That it, was, that it wasn't just knocking, it was at the front door, and I usually close the door. This time, I'm like, God, you keep bringing this back to me. I didn't ask for it. I didn't go looking for this. I didn't even come for this. And so that's when I was like, okay, I'm, I, I will try this out. So I started, I, I went through the process at this church to become the pastor. And I ended up having to go through an election and do all of that stuff. Long story short, I won the election by 60%, but the church didn't want to give me the pastor job because I had never pastored before and they wanted some other people that pastor. So it got so gangster, man. Some people, sometimes, one time the police got called. Um, no, seriously, they, they, they was, they was, it was fist to cuffs. It was crazy. So I resigned from that church to say, listen, I don't want no parts of this. Y'all tripping. So here's the, here's the story, Joe. I left that church and I went on about my business. And I was just going to go to another church and get back on the keys and do my thing. And here's the thing, man. When I left, many of those same people who voted for me, who prayed for me, who sought me to be their pastor, they was like, look, if you're not preaching and you're not pastoring this church, wherever you go, we going. And if you don't go to church no more, then we ain't going to church no more. Hmm. So oh, it was yeah. like that. So yeah, that was that was definitely the calling to be like, hey, you need to Thanks. be over here. So, this the thing. So, what do you think about now of the image of the black pastor? You okay. know, so that's what we was talking about—the image of the black pastors. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, is the stereotypes true? If so, why do you think it is, or why do you think that's that that? That is the perceived image of a black pastor, the slick talking, you know, infidelity, you know, uh, mm -hmm. money hungry, 
Mm-hmm. You know, I see interviews with like TD Jakes and other pastors on there defending why they wear good shoes, why they wearing good suits, why they driving good cars. You know, mm-hmm. a lot of them they say, you know, I'm writing books and stuff, man. So you know, this ain't even money from the church. Or, you know what I'm saying? They like, mm-hmm. man, I like nice shoes. What I'm supposed to do? Not wear nice shoes because I'm a pastor. And right. I want to know, like, uh, is are do you struggle with um? trying to uphold a certain positive black image of a black pastor do you feel that it's pressure mm-hmm. coming from um, you know do you feel pressure as being a black pastor like the eye is always on you like yeah who you out to lunch with like who you out to lunch with miss tina why hmm? why are you out to lunch with miss tina you the pastor hmm? <laughs> it's buffalo wild wings what's going on yeah. like you know what i'm saying right, like right 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 the stereotype comes from small-minded people but there's also some some men who took advantage of that. Okay. All right. And they came across as pimps and they came across as smooth, slick talking, just want your money type preachers with the fancy Cadillacs and the big gold watches and all that. That to me um, was culture and it's just ignorance. Some of it is just, it's just flat out ignorance because, um, there were some guys who mishandled some things back in the day. We grew up watching some of the you know, fried chicken eating. All of that stuff right there is that that is stereotype, that's stereotypical, and it's and it's and it's almost a sense of that's the word I'm looking for, man. Um, that's an ugly label. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. It's almost like it's almost connected to slavery mentality. It's almost connected to. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's all we want. That's all we look it, like. It's a, yeah, yeah, to make them look bad or to be like, you know, like, oh, man, that's 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 all of them. Like, all the black right. pastors is like this, right, right, trying right. to cast a black cloud over the whole situation. Right. And yeah. you know what, Joe? What makes it worse is that in the 70s, in the 70s and even in the 80s, the movies would show pastor, black pastors as, you know, fried chicken and Jerry Curl wearing and Cadillac talking and smooth. They, that would help create the idea or the imagery. Watch this. That not only are they fools, but you can't trust them. Yeah, for real. And people you and, and it's pre-programmed in the people. <laughs> yes, sir. That's why. We're because Go ahead. when you dig it up, it goes back to black is bad, white is right. Because black folks now have this tendency to say, "I don't." I, black folks now don't really fool with the black church as much as they should or would. And they certainly don't treat black church like they treat white church because they don't trust each other. We don't trust each other. So that stereotype comes from, you know, movies and it comes from, you know, yes, some of them were slick talking and some of them did abuse people. And, but it's no more different than the white pastors who, who stand for, for racism and who were a part of the ones uh, the Ku Klux Klan and, and was burning crosses during the week with preaching on Sunday. Yeah, now was a lot going on, especially in the Southern churches. Facts. I was going on. So that's I don't feel any pressure from any of that because here's what I know: when you read the Bible and you and you read it for what it what it's worth, the Bible teaches that you are to take care of those uh, who labor over you in the Word, like your elders or your pastor. And, it, and the Bible says that we should communicate all good things to those who are in leadership over us. And what that means is, is that if you are a millionaire, 
then you ought to take care of those in leadership or your pastor. You ought to communicate good things to them. If you got five Gucci watches, why don't you give them one? You know what I'm saying? Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, you, if you, it, that's that's kind of how that's communicated. Okay. So I had a member give me a Benz, the one I drive right now. Just give it to you. What? Straight up and down. Because he, they wanted you to be riding good because you. Because they was them, riding good. And that's love. That's love, though. That's love. Facts. So we okay. It's so like you said, the black church versus the white church, right? Yes. So let's get into this: the <laughs> black church versus the white church. Yeah. As a pastor now, mm -hmm. do you see a difference that you maybe didn't see before you became a pastor in the difference between the black church and the white church? No, I saw it before I became one. Okay, so you always was kind of behind the scenes, you know, behind the veil, and you kind of always knew the working of the two different of the churches, right? Because you got to think, when I became a Christian, I became a Christian uh, at a white camp. Okay. You know what I'm saying? Okay, <laughs> okay. So I got both worlds. You know, I got, I've seen both sides. Okay, okay. But I also could tell that, I didn't put it like this, I didn't really get into, I didn't see the politics of it until I got close to start pastoring. That's when I started seeing, oh, this is deeper than, this is real deep. Yeah, real deep. Levels to this. Oh, it's, yes. it's, it's a whole program. It's, just, it's a whole system. Facts. Yeah, that, 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 that's been going on for a long time. Yes. Yeah, so because uh, whether people like to talk about it or not, a church does, uh, is a profitable thing. You Can, know? Absolutely. And, and absolutely. With, and, and with profits comes people <laughs> that's all about profit you know what i'm saying and with that with that comes the scammers the schemers the robbers the dealers you know it just comes with a business right and church is definitely a business you know what i'm saying it's, it's yeah because yeah, especially like you know i'm from detroit so i seen mega churches mm -hmm. you know the ones where you might not even get in the church and you have to stand in a room and watch it on the screen right you know what i'm saying like you might have to pre pre get a ticket to come in <laughs> for real like i'd have been in some places you had to pre-get a ticket to go in so but the thing i wanted to ask you so about black churches and white churches um so okay here goes some of the stereo you know some of the stereotypical stuff people say black churches play a lot more music mm. black purchase black churches play a lot more music you know what i'm saying mm. that's one of the things people will say you know uh, a lot of people like that about black churches Mm -hmm. You know, I know a lot of people that's not black that's like, yeah, I go to a black church because I like the music. I like the vibe. I like the, you know what I'm saying? They like right, the praise. Right, right, right. They like how the praising comes off. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because I don't care what people say, like, the praising out of a black church just so much genuine and so much soul. You feel so much like a, a ray of sunshine comes over the church. Yeah, yeah it's, it's absolutely. It's I've, I've been through a lot of different churches, man. I've been to some scam churches before. And <laughs> yeah. one thing about it is, no matter what kind of church you're in, the mm. people that's normally in the church mm. definitely are there for that overall feeling of praising. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm mm -hmm. saying? And, that, and that's, mm -hmm. a, that's a wild feeling to feel when you're in a city like... Uh, like you said, Duncan Law in Frederick, Oklahoma, at a right. church where they got house chairs in there, and, where, and you 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 walk in the house and then it's just in there. You know what I'm saying? And you get in there and it's like fourteen people in there. You know what I'm saying? But th right. this is a church though. People would be like, right. legit, yeah. And they in there praising their hearts out, praising with their soul. 
and you mm-hmm. can feel it in there, man. That whole house almost light up. Right. <laughs> the right. whole house almost light up. But far as like, uh, what are some of the differences that you see between the black and the white church? Um, I think one of the big differences I see in the two is organization and structure. Okay. And and um, and I see with uh, with with black church. Like we're, 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 we're slowly starting to turn that corner. Well, not even slowly. I think we're turning that corner now to where we're not in church long periods of time like we used to be. And it just was a long, drawn out, oh my God, what is this going to be over kind yes. of scenario? So, not to be. You know? <laughs> so, that's one thing about me. Church yeah. was kind of long. You know, I found, I ended up finding some churches that worked for me, yeah. you know, in and now young pastor, relatable, nice yeah. tunes, you know. Yeah. And, uh, but I remember being in those ones when we got there at eleven and then touch out into two. Right. I'm right. Like, Man, what and, and I think with black with black church, you know what I'm saying, we're so emotional. We're very emotional people. And, you know, we we have we we have great emotional services and sometimes, you know, they can they can extend to a long period of time. But with white folks and in black white and I hate I hate to say it like that, but with white folks, you know, they're gonna give you a good solid fifteen minutes maybe 20 minutes of praise and worship and then they're gonna move on you know what i mean definitely and and so with us you know we we uh you know sometimes we we can be a bit long and be a you know bit drawn out kind of over the top but i see i see a difference in structure but also at the same time we're very a lot of us are very open and pure and soulful with our worship and you know it's 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 a it's a a liberating moment for us Mm mm-hmm you know what I'm saying? So the two differences, of course, like I said, is organization and structure. And I think that um, we're getting there now to where our services are rolling a lot smoother. And, you know, we, we have systems in place where people, you know, can actually learn and, and find a speed. And, yeah, you know, yeah. So you don't have to cut people off and drag Miss Johnson off the thing, like, like, or push the red light in the back, like. Right, <laughs> right. So, so we ain't got to have a long, like, so we don't have to waste. 15 minutes doing announcements, we'll just put them in a bulletin or we'll put them on the screen. Yeah, okay. And it takes about five minutes. So you know we, what I mean? So we knew waving it. So we knew waving it. Absolutely. Getting, getting some new new stuff implemented in the program <laughs> just to get it moving more smoothly. And, you know, something that's something that people might not think about because, you know, uh, I always equate what's going on nowadays with music, how, right. how songs get are shorter now. You know, yeah. like our like songs is shorter. I listen to some old songs, and like I can tell after like two fifty, two seventy five, in yeah. my head I'd be like, "Man, this song kind of long." <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So now, yeah. now you listen to. The, I mean, you remember me and the artist. Your, your radio single used to have to be uh, under four minutes, but over yeah. three minutes or somewhere yeah. in the pocket yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah. Now they like, man, don't be sending nothing over three twenty. Like facts, like for because real. you know why? You remember, like when, when whenever I did my record, uh, when I did my record, my album, you know, what I'm saying I had a camp of crew from California that worked with Anthony Hamilton as well, and they put me on game and they told me, they say, look, if you want to get your music played uh, on these pay- TV stations, on these radio stations, on these commercials and all that, you're going to have to change your mindset. You got to think they programming only has a certain amount of time, so you want to make a song that about two minutes worth where you can put that where, where it's easy for them to, to put into their programming That's the because they don't, they don't have all that time to go through editing all your music in this three minutes and 20 seconds. No, 
And that's how our minds work. Joe, listen, this is how I know the game changed. Back in the day, you used to have to have a bridge in your R&B song. Now ain't even no bridges. There's just one straight beat all the way through. Bro, I'm so old school. I'm still putting bridges in my raps. Like I do. You know me. That's my go-to. A singer on the hook, a little bridge in the middle. I recreate Irv Gotti and Fabulous all over again, buddy. Man. This is not a, but, but see, but not our minds, though. In 2018, yeah. our minds are structured at a faster speed. We got these yes, phones. We got yes. Like we don't even put, we don't even start the car up like that no more. We hop in, press the button, car starting yes. up. Like it's just like everything is moving fast. We Bluetoothing. I don't even touch stuff in my house no more. I'm cutting stuff on by voice. So right. when you get to church, people are in the mode of like, how fast can we compress this down to? Some right. people are listening to it on uh, audio, streaming right. it on the internet. Like I said, I watched your sermon a couple times on the internet on the big TV at my house. Like. Yes, I put it through. Um, one of the things that uh, I know that people have a complaint kind of about the difference between black and white churches is the gangy style of black churches, the group activity. You know, uh, I don't want to say gangy style, like the, you know, the clickish, the mm-hmm. click, the click mentality in the uh, churches. Mm-hmm. I know yeah. a lot of people they had that turned them away. You know what I'm saying? Uh, yeah. The judgmental. Click yeah. the, you know, right. uh, the right. messy click. You know what I'm saying? Right. And, uh, right. I tell people it's in all the churches. Exactly. That's the that's the big pic, that's the big picture right there. But you know how they do, <laughs> they because right. they only hear it from Keisha and them and Tawana when they come home exactly. and they be talking about. You know what I'm saying? They only hear it for them, so people hear it and they be like, "Man, you know." uh you know, it's a big difference. You know what I'm saying? It's a big difference. Right. Um, so that's what you're saying. You're saying more of it's it's a lack of certain things in both churches. We need to stop putting it all on, like, black churches. Absolutely. It's the same person, just just in different a different dress, okay? And when it, when it comes down to it, in the black church, there's judgment, and there's judgmental people, and there's people who look at you like, why do you got that on in this church? And we'll say that, but if you wear that, if you go to some, if you go to some white churches, some of them are going to look at you like, "Why are you in here?" Even if you don't have on something that that, that that would look crazy, because you'll find that church is full of flawed people, church is full of judgmental people. You know what I mean? Church is full of people who are short-sighted. And at the at the end of the day, in the black church, it's just that we can see it more. You know what I'm saying? But okay. when you get over, and, and I say this, and I say this boldly, you can go to some white churches, and that's fine. And and, and their white folks kind of do have a more positive vibe. You know what I'm saying? They're a little bit more easygoing. And but you got to think. I think a little deeper. You got to think like black folks. Some of us are coming in here. Lights about to get cut off. Some of us are coming in here, and sun just went to the penitentiary. So there's a lot of external forces that come in that that play effect on our emotions in church. You got to think. Trayvon Martin, you got to think um, the, 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 the things that we deal with in the world itself play a role on how we, when we come to church and what we feel when we get here. True. You know what I'm saying? True. And so it makes, a, it makes a difference. And I think the issue, one of the issues that some people have when they leave a black church, so to speak, and go to a white church is that they'll love the white church. And I'm saying this for a reason. I'm using these words white and black for a reason. When they'll go to a predominantly white church, they love it until something happens in the neighborhood or in the community and that church doesn't deal with it. They don't even mention it. 
Right. They just keep on going they over just keep it. On yeah. Trying. You know what I'm saying? And so now it's like, oh, y'all not gonna say nothing? No, they're not gonna say anything. <laughs> That's not their purpose. They don't they not they not of the community like that. They uh not it. like that. Yeah. No. So I it's just, it's flaws in all churches, man, to to be honest with you, white and black. I definitely understand that. So let's talk about your church. Shoot. The Beyond Church. Yes, sir. How what year did you start it in? How did you start it? And man, a lot of people talk that religious stuff, man, but start your own know, church, man. That's big boy talk right there, man. <laughs> like for real, man. How did you start your church? Uh yeah, how did it come about, man? Well, like I said, when I left that church and all of those people who had, you know, who were who were voted for me and were, you know, thinking and were looking for me to become their pastor, many of those people were either a just coming to church for the first time or b giving god and church a second look for the first time and was like look i'm through with church if this is what church is about and but i'll listen to you and it's almost like you leaving and people saying well you know like i say if you wherever you're going i'm going and i'm serious i went to potter's house one sunday and some of them found out they showed up the potter's house so i'm like okay so I got with my mentors. I prayed about it. Then they were just like, look, man, you can't leave those sheep out there just lost like that. You know what I'm saying? They voted for you and prayed for you, and, and God put it on their heart that you would be their pastor. And, and you know, you got to do something. So I started a Bible study. Okay. And when I Yeah, when I started a Bible study, you know what I'm saying, uh, they came. People came. And a couple of weeks later, excuse me, a couple of weeks later, you know, I put the I started putting the framework together, and we started the church. Hmm. So when you first started the church, were you were you nervous that maybe you wouldn't be able to fulfill? Like, what were some of your worries when you was first starting the church? Like, were you were you? I was. I'm just thinking maybe were you worried that you maybe couldn't fulfill such a big of task because starting your own church and yeah. coming to preach at an already started church is two different things. You better know that because when you're starting a church, Joe, and it is gangster and it is gritty and it is big boy stuff because you think you think dog, you're literally starting with nothing. Man, you're literally you're not starting with see they, to start a church you need about two hundred fifty thousand dollars already saved going in or available going in and that's to give yourself an opportunity to survive for maybe three years. Man, that's a quarter million dollars. Joe, we didn't have five dollars. <laughs> <laughs> that's a quarter. Do you hear me? So my biggest my, my biggest thing was, and I was thinking this to myself, how am I going to preach that many sermons without saying the same thing twice? <laughs> that's true. Yeah, 52 Sundays in a year, how am I going to say the same thing? And, and and God forbid, on Wednesdays too, how am I going to keep, how am I going to keep this going? I, I don't even, I, I don't know if I'm going to be able to feed them like that. Do you work at the same time as creating this? Do you work like a regular job? Like, how does that go? Like, Yeah. So, let me, let me give you this. When I first started the church, I lived in Oklahoma City because I just got married. My wife lived in Oklahoma City, so I was living in Dallas. So, guess what? When I first started the church, I was driving from Oklahoma City, I mean, from Dallas to Oklahoma City to, uh, to see my wife and everybody. I would pick them up. I would get there on Saturday night, and, and um, i get there on Friday or whatever, and then get up early Sunday morning about 3.30, 4 o'clock in the morning. We would leave at 5 and drive all the way to Dallas on Sunday. 
preach, and then go back to Oklahoma City. And I do the same thing on Wednesdays. Three-hour trip going, three-hour coming back. Ooh, putting in that grind. Facts. So the times when I was working, because there was times when I was and wasn't working. And so when you're not, when you are working, you know what I mean? You really, it's, it's like you have enough time. You got to work your job and then try to prepare a lesson all at the same time. Man. It's hard. Hot, it's that's absolutely hard. Man, that's like being a parent and a teacher. <laughs> that's like, you know what I'm saying? That's <laughs> like being a parent at home and a teacher. You got to do classwork at home with your kids, classwork at home for your kids at school. It's right. just work, work, work. Right. So so how did, uh, did, did you come up with the name first, like a normal business, or how does that go? Yeah, so, um, yeah, I was praying about a name and uh, just kind of, you know, figuring out what was consistent that, that I felt in my spirit. And so abundant life kept coming to my spirit. You know, that's what something that was coming to me. Abundant life, abundant life, abundant life. And when I began to research it and, and dig into the scriptures, because that's the scripture of John 10 and 10, where Jesus said, I come that you might have life and life more abundantly. So that scripture stood out to me and really, really um, pricked me. And so when I started studying it, you know what I'm saying? It literally means beyond limits. And so that's where we got the name beyond church from. Okay. Okay. So, um, how many members did you guys start off with? Mm-hmm. How many members are you at now? And mm-hmm. what is what would you say your member base is like, or the demographic, or the age group, or you know what I'm saying? Like, who yeah. are the members of your church? Okay. So, when we started, we started with I want to say it was 18. When we first started, and I'm going to make a statement that's going to make people laugh if they listen to this. But on the roll, on the church roll, we have, on the roll, we have close to 80, 85. Okay. <laughs> In real life, <laughs> who actually might show up on a Sunday. Who, who's actually going to be the body in the seats. <laughs> who's going right. to be the bodies in seats. Real numbers. We um we we we'll probably average thirty five to forty five, maybe fifty bodies. Mm. When it's all said and done. Okay. And our demographic is um ages twenty I would say twenty two to fifty five. Okay. Men and women both. Yeah, men and women both. Different races or predominantly like how, how do you Yeah, do? so we have um they don't come as often, but we have we have um there would let's see, that's three. We've we had about we've had th- at least three, you know, you know, Caucasian folks, you know what I'm saying, to to get down with us, you know what I'm saying? So okay, now I'm about to get into the deep questions. So do y'all got young members? Do y'all accept you know, first timers, walk ins, you know, is your open arms? Yeah, it's like a clinic. We accept walk ins, we accept, you know, any and everybody. You know what I'm saying? What like, about homosexuals? Come on in here. So, because I've been, so I, um, I slowed down on actually going to a church because I don't have a church home right now, but I also attend your church on the internet. But, uh, right. I, uh, I remember the last two churches I had went to, I left them because. I went to them a couple of times, and they didn't have no homosexuals there. Now, <laughs> some people might be like, what are you on? <laughs> the reason why I say that is because if I show up at your church and I don't see everybody there, 
I'm thinking mm-hmm. somebody then got excluded out of the con. You know what I'm saying? Of the yeah, politics yeah, yeah. of getting some love. I don't right. want to be around nobody that's excluding nobody. Mm-hmm. Like you know, once you start making judgment and being on that type of tip, I gotta move around because I don't like to mix in my dealing with God and dealing with like people judging. You know what I'm saying? When we dealing right. with God, we dealing all over arms, and then you know right. you got your personal judgment what you believe or whatever but if i come in your church and i look around and i'm not seeing everybody i mm-hmm. I start asking people like you know where's everybody at <laughs> they're right. like well we don't let those people hang around here and i was like oh yeah. well i don't need to be hanging around here because those yeah. people is my folks too you know what i'm saying like uh-huh. i got love for everybody and i want everybody to be able to get the word if that's what they showing up for right you know what i'm so, saying yeah to answer, answer that question like we've had, we've had people who were in that life come to our church, and they'll tell you to this day, I don't beat them up. You know what I'm saying? I would love on them. I would treat them just like they were somebody normal. You know what I mean? But I'm also aware of this: that if you're practicing that kind of lifestyle, and you know, because you know I don't stand, you know, I, you know I'm totally against the lifestyle. I'm not gonna make you be, I'm not gonna make you feel bad for it or beat you up. But you know where I stand on it. After a while, you're probably not gonna. Nah, I'm just. I, I just will probably go somewhere else. Not because I'm making you feel that way, but you know, you already kind of know what time it is. Just because they they, feel, they they might feel like you don't agree with it so much. What do you feel about pastors? Do you feel like pastors should? How much should they agree with that? You know, to make people right. feel welcome when you start being. You know, it's a a, a thin line. You know what I'm saying? Right. Between right. welcoming people and, and accepting something. So I, I say this, like Jesus is the way I feel. Come as you are, and that's for everybody. And any of us can come to Jesus as we are, but we can't stay how we came. Right. And then there's a difference when you're striving and you're really like, man, I'm trying to beat this thing, as opposed to this is just who I am, accepted, and that's just what it is. Okay. You feel me? Yeah. Okay. 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 Yeah. Because a lot of people have different point of view on that. You know what I'm saying? Facts. A lot of people be like, you know, we don't want that here. Or a lot of people might be like, I'm overly acceptance of it where, you know, you run into some pastors where it looks like they get down. You know what I'm saying? Right. And right. Uh, I've been to those churches, too. And uh, a lot of people say, so that's one thing a lot of people say, that's a part of the black church. Yeah. that is, that Yeah. 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 I, I agree. I, I think I think one 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 of one of the things about the black church that I will say is that, that frustrates me some a lot is the entertainment piece. You know what I'm saying? Like, I think sometimes we do too much entertainment. Okay, because you know I, mean? I was going to ask you about that. You know, you see the pastors on World Star, they, they do the nay-nay in there, like, you know, they get that, Kiki don't love you. Kiki don't want you to ride. Kiki don't want to be on the side. She in the front, like, you know. Right. And, and I get I get some of that, because some of it, you know, object lessons, I get it. I just think that sometimes we, do, we, we go too far, we do too much, you know what I'm saying? We over the top sometimes. Um, but at the same time, when I say entertainment, even like down to like the choir, like the choir directors, you know what I'm saying? A lot of a lot of the choir directors are homosexual. A lot of the, you know what I'm saying? Some of the musicians are homosexual and they're openly that way. And you know what I'm saying? And and it's like, it's one thing to be homosexual. Okay, I get that. But like switching all across the stage and, and being flamboyant, I feel personally, I feel that's disrespectful. Because you know that that's not what is said to be done by the Bible. Is that what it is? Not only that, but it's just, when I say disrespectful, it's almost like, it's, 
the flamboyancy of it is just it's like a lack of respect like it's my perspective like no no that's what i'm saying like yeah flaunting of a sin kind of right it's like exactly it's it's like i feel like i feel like this to set to answer your question yes if you smoke weed okay cool but if you bring one of them sticks in church in the church service it's legal. You feel me? Okay. You know what I'm saying? It's not a sin, but why won't you do it in church? Because you don't want to offend those around you like that, right? Or the Lord, huh? At the same time, because this is the Lord's house. Is that, <laughs> is that not right, though? This is the Lord's so house? It's, 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 it's the house where the Lord's people live. You feel okay. Me? But I'm just saying from a from a tone of respect, like, if I can't, and I've, I've made this point, if an alcoholic who's struggling with alcohol if he can't bring his fifth of hen in here and drink, then you don't, I don't think you need to be running in here switching and parade perusing around. Right. And that's true, though. That's true. So. That's flagrant to me. And that is right. So do you think that it should be like, okay, how, so do you think you, it would be more of a, everybody should be, if you indulge in something that you know that's not, that's sinfully not right. Right. When you come in here. You need to be on the up and up while you're here. Right. I was that kind of like, is, I mean, is that kind of what you're saying? Because I, I want to, I, I just want to know, like, uh, from your point of view, you know what I'm saying? Because you're a pastor, right. you run a church. So, and you, mm-hmm. I, I'm pretty much sure you got friends that's pastors, friends right. that run churches, you know what I'm saying? And I was just wondering, like, how do you see that being able to get handled in the black church? You know what I'm saying? Because mm-hmm. as a part of this show, you know, we always try to offer up solutions and ideas you know what i'm saying i think that the way that it 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 can be handled and should be handled is if something if if you if somebody like say for instance if you got anybody and and it's not just somebody that's homosexual it could be somebody who's wearing clothes that just way too tight when you're on that stage you know what I'm saying? If you are in front of the people, then there's a certain level of respect and the code and a certain kind of culture you want to create. You know what I'm saying? You can't control what happens in the pews, but you can control what happens on that stage because that's a level of leadership. That's a level of, that's a choice that you're choosing people who will fall into a certain culture and system. Right. So as a pastor, you need to step up. As a pastor, you have to engage that and you have to talk about that and explain to them why that is and not make them feel judged. And here's the here's the real man. I was talking to one of my partners about this the other day. The difference about the thing about homosexuality and all those other kind of things is that you can see those sins. You can't see some of this other stuff that's behind closed doors. Right. You see what I'm saying? And and that's the tricky balance. You know what I'm saying? Because it seems like you're calling them out, but you're not right. calling them out. But you can you, see it's just it. what we can see. Right. That's you know like if saying? somebody wore a hat that said, I murder people. you like, bro, don't wear that hat in there. you really murdering people. That's Fast. not the place for this. Yeah. And then he can't be like, bro, why are you always picking me out? He like, what shit? You wearing a hat that said, I murder people. Just like right. if you switching in there and they be like, hey, bro, can you stop switching in here? And they like, why are you on me like that? You like, I'm not exactly. on you like that. I'm just telling you in here, we got to, right. you know what I'm saying? We but passing. With that same, and then saying that same thing, that's what creates the oh you're judging me Tony. right now nah, that's why the next thing i was say how what is that line of balance because you do want to be open right you want a gay dope fiend ex-prostitute you know what i'm saying to be able to come in there and be like hey man you know i need some i need right. some love and and here's the thing joe that sometimes the highest form of love is correction right 
And when it comes to the word of scripture, when it comes to what Jesus taught and it comes to what the apostles taught, that if it's something that we can visibly see that's sinful, then we as Christians, as brothers and sisters, we have the obligation to go to that person and encourage them in Christ for Christ's best. And that's just real. You know what I'm saying? That's real. If I don't love you, then I'm going to let you do just exactly what you're doing. And it's, it's the equivalent of you knowing somebody's going in the wrong direction and you throwing a party for them. Okay. Yeah, I feel you. Yes, definitely so. And you want to step up and be assertive in people's lives that you feel that's doing something that you might be sinful. Even let if me say this, though, Joe. And this one thing one pa- a lot of pastors and preachers will not say. The hardest part about it all is is that you have to hold people accountable and correct people and, and, and teach and preach things that are corrective in people's lives while your own personal life needs the same correction. See, now that's the thing. <laughs> and it's hard. So how how hard is it? Well, okay, so let's talk about this for a minute. What are some of the struggles that you still encounter? Yeah. That you can talk about, you know, mm-hmm. uh yeah. as a young black pastor. Like what are some of you know, not you don't gotta go down okay. the whole list or tell me all your so flaws. And, yeah, yeah, no, I get it. Like it, I was I was I, I was a married pastor at one point and it was you know, thing was chill. But then I got divorced. And so you know, there for a moment, there for a while, I was a single pastor. You know okay. what I'm saying? And the struggles are the same as if you're not a pastor. I'm still a man. So when I see, when I when I see a beautiful young lady, you know what I'm saying, cold blooded. You know what I mean? What you think I'm thinking? I'm thinking what a normal person would think. Well, she sure look good. You know what I'm saying? And you might holler and you might not. But what happens is, is you struggle. And what I've struggled with is, you know. But that's not bad, is it? Is that bad for no, you to bad. like another but single? People say, but some people feel like as a pastor, you ain't supposed. As people, some people think as a pastor, you're supposed to date the woman that is religious and got the big hat and speaking tongues and prays and preaches and is super religious and spiritual. I'm not him. That's so not the, that, that's not what I'm looking for. But are you? But you are. You are looking for somebody in the church, though, per se, huh? Listen. I'm looking for somebody who loves Jesus, who loves life, and who loves me, period. Which means that we know how to go to church, but when Jay-Z and Beyonce come to town, we're going to turn up at the concert. So, hey, let me ask you a question. So, as, a, as you know, uh, going through stages as a single pastor, yeah, uh, are there rules as, or are there written rules, or are there un, or both written and unwritten rules to dealing with? women just in your personal life maybe in the congregation or like how does that oh, go yeah. yeah 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 there's do's and don'ts there's the unspoken rule there's 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 just stuff you don't do you know what i mean right uh, and if you are a pastor and i've never done this i've never hit on not one of my members and i've had some you know some great looking you know Come on. Some fine members, even. Yeah, 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 yeah. Some pretty, yeah, yeah. yeah pretty fine um, young ladies in the congregation. But I've never hit on them, and I don't hit on them. I don't care how bad you are. Once you come to my church and you become a member or something like that, like there, there's nothing you can do for me at that point. Right. And so there's some unspoken rules. You don't creep with the sheep. You know what I'm saying? Okay. You just don't do that. That that that's like that's like boo booing where you sleep. But a lot of people, a lot of them do. A lot of that's a lot a... of them do. I don't do it. I don't prescribe to it because here's the thing: when I'm dating you, you can't even come to my church. 
Unless it's like a special event or something. Why? He <laughs> 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 is so silly. <laughs> you can come on special occasions, but you can't be a member. Why not? not if we're dating, not yet, because I don't. I want to protect her from them, because church people have a tendency to be very. They will. They're um, um, protective of their pastor. Yes. Kind of like yeah, protective of their pastor and. It's almost like I say this. It's like having kids, and you don't want to just bring even the person that you love. You want to bring them around your kids slowly, but you know it, you can't move them in your house, right? And having them join the church like moving them in my house. The congregation's going to get connected to them, get close to them, da 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 da. And if things don't work out for whatever reason with them, and I bring somebody else in there six months later, now they're like a pastor them. Okay, right. And see, that's the thing. So if you and then if you date three women in one year. Oh, yeah. oh my God! Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Pastors a hoe. Yeah, for know? sure. <laughs> yeah, they catch so you outside. They catch you outside. Listen to booed up, pulling right. off. They like, oh Man. yeah. And I, I do it. To, I do it to protect them too, because I don't want them getting hurt in any way, shape, or form because of the unrealistic expectations of sometimes what people have. Hmm. And then trying to put her in certain positions, and and I just I ain't not. Nah, I ain't trying to do that. Mm, I got a question for you. Is true. Can you honestly live a hundred percent sin free? Like, can a person is that possible for a person no. to live sin free? Like, I, I always wonder that, and like we talk about that, and like you know, with my personal friends and stuff. Like, is that possible for you to live sin free? You as a pastor, you knowing people higher and that's been doing it longer than you, right? Is this possible humanly? No. The short answer is no. <laughs> it's not possible. No, the short answer the short answer is no. <laughs> and the reason why is because we live in this earthly body, this mortal body, this this filthy flesh. And if we don't allow the Holy Spirit to control us, if we don't have allow the, the word of God to change our minds and our spirit, when you wake up in the morning, you're going to wake up sinning. We that's why we have to choose to die daily. You know what I'm saying? And as long as we have this flesh, we are attracted to sin. Okay. Yeah. Because, yeah, that's what they say in the Bible. That's what, yeah. So. But, you know what I'm saying? So, so the, the short answer is no. We will not, we will not be free from the fight of sin until we get our new bodies, hmm. until we die, until we get our resurrected body. Okay. Our spirit man, is, which is the core of who we are, that is saved. That is the one being renewed and sanctified, purged and cleansed as we live life. But our natural body, you know what I'm saying? Our okay. natural nature. It's fleshy, worldly. It's nasty. Yeah. It's filthy. So let me ask you a question. You know how they say repent for the sins you committed? Yes, sir. Uh, can, our can our past be fully forgiven? Or like how do we... Give me some advice on how someone will move forward with a checkered past. You know, it's how some people sitting around like, man, you know, you'd be like, hey, man, you might need to think about going towards the word. You know, might help your life out mm -hmm. some. And somebody might mm -hmm. be like, man, I ain't, I can't do it, man. I be, I didn't did too much. Or I didn't been, you know what I'm saying? Or right. a, a, a woman might be like, I, I, I can't, I like sex too much. I can't do that. Or you know what I'm saying? Everybody right. might have something in their mind where they'd be like, Right. Man, I, I I did stuff. I don't know. You know, you say 
you know, God forgives everything. But some of the stuff we did in our past, it's like, whoo, I don't know now. What would you say to somebody that have questions like that? I would say that, <laughs> I would say that when Jesus died at Calvary, he died for the sins of the world, not the sin of the world. When he died, what his blood done is his blood forgave. He forgave all of our sins, past, present, and here's the other piece, and future. Okay. He only dies one time because you got to think. Your checkered past is covered in your plan. Whenever you, whenever you become a Christian and you accept Jesus Christ, he covers your entire life. You're, 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 you are now free from any penalty of sin from your past, from your present, and from your future. So when I mess up and I'm trying to do good and I mess up and I'm beating myself up because I keep messing up. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like, is it, is that, that's not uncommon for me to feel it's, like. It's, yes, it's not uncommon to feel bad when you mess up. But. The beautiful thing about it is when you mess up, God just simply says, acknowledge it, confess that you made that mistake and my grace is sufficient to cover it. I've already paid the bill, but I do want you to acknowledge that you made a mistake. Hmm. Okay. And so it's a constant accepting because you got to understand something to be a Christian is not because of anything good that we've done. We are only a Christian because of the grace of God which is the unmerited favor, which what it means is simply this, is that God, God's grace, we could never work for it. There's nothing good that you can do to get good with God right. other than accept Jesus Christ as your Savior, and that is what clears you before God. Oh, okay. Faith in him. Okay, so there's nothing you can do on this earth to impress him. So when people be like, God, if you please forgive me this time, I'll never do it again. That's whack. You know yeah. I mean, that's, you can't trick on God. You can't even you can't even say I'm going to church. With God. I'm going to church every Sunday, and that's why God that's why God is forgiving me. That if you think that way, that's religious, and you're not forgiven at all because God only responds to faith and trust. When you put faith in Jesus, you know what I'm saying. And when you say faith in Jesus, what do you mean? When you say I believe that Jesus died for my sins and all of them, and that God judged him instead of me. That's why I'm free, because you got to think for every sin we've ever committed, somebody got to die. That's what the Old Testament was about. That's why they sacrificed animals in the Old Testament, because for every time somebody died, somebody had to somebody every time somebody sinned, no matter what it was, somebody had to die. So so they, so, so they wasn't sacrificing people. God said, you got to sacrifice an animal and the blood of that animal is going to atone or wash away all of the sins that you've committed this year. Okay. That's Old Testament. Mm -hmm. But that's why Jesus is called the Lamb of God because Jesus becomes the sacrificial lamb. He becomes the animal that dies and blood is sprinkled on the mercy seat and because of his death, we've been forgiven for all of our sins for life. Right. Okay. For life. 
so your prayer ought to be not just God forgive me. Your prayer ought to be Lord, thank you for forgiving me. Okay, game. That's some game. Okay. You feel me? So look, okay, I got something for you then. So okay, because okay, I got something <laughs> for you. So what advice can you give, like say, like a young dude, right? You know, young dude out here in these streets on these drugs, man, thugging, and you know, they get hopeless. Yeah. You know, they get hopeless and they start feeling like, man, uh, well, God, well, I, God don't love me because I'm right here. I'm in a bad situation. I don't want to be here. My mama died last year. You yeah. know what I'm saying? My dad got killed two years ago. Like, yeah. man, what, what, what are you showing me? Like that God doing for me, that's something, you know what I'm saying? Like God don't love me. And those kind of questions, you know, those hopeless questions, like, yeah. What church gonna? How church gonna save us from being broke? Or you know what I'm saying? What what what? Like what? what you know? Like say I'm a young nigga talking to you. Like I'm like, bro, what are you talking about? Fuck, what you mean God gonna help me? I'm I live in Chicago, man. It's a hundred deaths every weekend. Mm -hmm. God must have missed over this, huh? Right. And to that, I say, well, let me explain to you about God, because. There's a man in the Bible who had everything going for himself. Perfect. His kids was fine. He was balling, had plenty of money. And God allowed Satan to attack him, and he lost all his money, lost all his kids. His wife turned on him, and his friends turned on him. And all of this happened just simply because God wanted to use his life as a testimony. And to that, this man says, though, God, you slay me, yet will I trust you. But he goes on further to say, that if I can receive good from you, then why can't I receive bad from you as well? Hmm. So to the young guy on the street to say, man, why God? Well, I mean, if he really, I mean, I mean, I mean, he gonna help me how I'm here. Well, okay, I understand that. I understand that. But does he cease to be God because something bad or unfavorable is happening? Is he only God whenever you get the college scholarship? Is he only God whenever things go well? Hmm. But then, but then they'd be like, "So you right? But what kind of God makes one of stuff to go bad if He's God? Don't He want everybody to, to succeed?" That, yeah, and I would say to that, I would say to that, this: He's the kind of God that that allows things to go bad so that He can make them turn around for good. Hmm. Because He's the kind of God. Elaborate that on that for me. Yeah. Yes. He's the kind of God that will that will allow things to go bad so that when He turns it around for good. You will glorify his name and give him praise and honor to say, man, ain't nobody but God did that for me to show you how good he is. Because if you don't understand bad, you won't understand good. And so God allows certain things to happen in our life that are bad, that suck. Like, I ain't want to grow up with a crackhead mama and a daddy that was a pimp that was never there. <laughs> for sure. Nobody. You know what I'm yeah. Like, People have real stories like that. Yeah. Some people get raped, and some people don't understand why these things happen. And if God was this, if God was that, and to that I say that you're the you 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 could be the person that God wants to use to show somebody else that man, you can still come out of this and win. Hmm. You can be the example that they use, and you people somebody could be the one. And see, a lot of people, they don't understand probably that part because they, they, be like, they be like nobody because they feel like nobody's watching them or nobody's right. seeing them go through it. So they probably are going through bad things and they're sitting around like, man, why my life ain't changing? 
also I wanted to ask you this. What is there a right or wrong way to pray? <laughs> yeah, there's a there's a there, the only wrong way to pray is with the wrong motive. That's it. Like like uh can I pray for a new house? Cuz I don't like my house and I'm trying to get a new. One. I'm yes. trying, can I pray for a new house? Yes, you can pray for a new house, you can pray for a new car, you can pray for anything you want. But if the motive behind it is wrong, then God won't hear it. Like if I'm trying to have a new house, so I need an extra room and put a little little something in on the side when my wife at work, then that's not the right motive. That's not the right heart. But if me and my the Bible says because the Bible does say that you ask not, you have not because you ask not. It says you ask wrong, with wrong motives because you really want it to appease you. Hmm. So the only real way to pray is to pray with sincerity and pray, God, let your will be done. But you can ask God for anything, though. He says that. See, a lot of people, they don't know that. They don't want to be, you know, baggy. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Uh, they don't want to be, like, uh, feeling like they asked. And... But see, that's the thing, Joe. The, 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 my, one, of my, one, one of my, the hard part, not the hard part, one of my favorite parts about the job I do is I get to, I get to paint a picture of God that maybe people didn't see before. Okay. For one, God is not mad like everybody think he is. Oh, oh God gonna send me to hell. That was my next that question. Is, so that looks like, so. Right. <laughs> <laughs> my next question was this: How? Why is it a some kind of like unsaid thing, or why am I programmed to kind of feel like I should be fearful of God? Maybe because they say God fearing, or maybe they use the word fear and. I think of the word fear and get kind of like think of scared. Right. We think fear, we were taught fear because it was programmed into our mentalities from Old Testament culture and slavery. Okay. So you got to think the God of the Old Testament was the one who would destroy whole cities by fire and by, and, and, and drown the world with a flood. And he was a God of wrath. Why? Because sin had entered in. Oh. God, God only shows that wrath because he hates sin. Oh, okay. Not people. <laughs> okay, okay. And okay. sin originated with Satan. So see, a lot of people don't know that. So a lot of people, they, a lot of people don't know. They think like they like the Old Testament. They like, well, we hear that. They think right. just the same thing. And here's the thing, man. God hates sin. He can't stand it. In fact. He's so real and true about sin that when Jesus became our sin, God had to put all of his wrath on him. That's why he had to allow him to be crucified, literally stabbed to death. You know what I'm saying? But we, we're fearful of God because in the Old Testament, that's all we saw. And we saw the wrath of God. And what if you mess with God? He'll woo woo. And the whole time God was trying to get us to see how flagrant sin was. So that we could see that we needed him to get us away from it. So, so let me ask you something. What are, so, okay, so you know how you live through your life every day, right? You go through worldly stuff. I read, uh, I read the Bible many times. Now I read like a daily devotion book. Yeah. You know, one of the Jesus Callings daily devotion books. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I, I, I read it every day, me and my girl, and we um, 
we got our different little setup that we do, you know, with our little meditation prayer and we read the book. And uh, I was just wondering, like, uh, do you see a lot of people coming to your church that have worldly struggles that to them they might think is like the end of the world? But for you, you see that it's not that big, really? Because a lot of yeah. times we like to think our problems are like we manifest our problems in our head bigger right. than what they are. Mm-hmm. So a lot of times we don't want to bring it to people because mm-hmm. we think it's like overly, uh, con- you know, people can't conceive our problem. You know what I'm saying? Right. Uh, right. And you being a pastor, when people come to you with problems, all right, do you uh, do you see people that come to you and they might be thinking like, man, this I'm, I'm back on my rent, the world about to end. And when they explain to you everything, you know, because, you know, you, you hearing a problem and everything, and you're able to process it differently. That is not a, a really big deal. Do you see a, Do you see a lot of people not coming to people yes. because of that? Yes, I do. And um, I see that, Joe. And you can almost pretty much expect it. And I'm going to tell you why. Because Adam did the same thing. When Adam sinned, and ate that fruit, and his eyes became open. Him and Eve ran from God because they were afraid of what God would do. They were afraid that God was going to do something wrong to them or something harmful to them. And sometimes people say, hey, man, I'm just going to keep this thing to myself because I don't want, for one, I don't want to bog y'all down with this, and for two, I don't want to be judged, and for three, you know what I'm saying? Like, I, I just don't, I'm just going to keep it to myself. Yes, I see people doing that all the time. And that's pride because the reality is, is that it's not as big as you think it is. And if you really knew God, you would know that God's grace has already covered it. So let's talk about it. Okay. Okay. See, a lot of people are not familiar with laying their problems on God. You know how they tell you God don't put more than you can handle on you and all that stuff. Right. A lot of people, right. they don't understand that fully. So, but yeah. 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 Can you explain a little bit by uh, like when it say that, like uh, when it says uh, God don't put more on you than you can handle. Right. I, I will absolutely tell you that when we quote that scripture, when people quote that scripture, I will absolutely tell you that we, we quote that scripture wrong because he doesn't say that he won't put more on us than we can handle. He says. He puts he won't put more on us than we can handle with him. Oh, okay. You know what I'm saying? He'll never he'll never let you get tested above the measure that you're able to bear. But will with listen, God will put more on you than you can handle so that you can give it to him who can handle it with you. Hmm. Because if he doesn't break the pride in you, then you'll keep trying to fix your own issues and your own problems and making a bigger mess. But the whole thing that God wants us to do is cast every care on him because he cares for us. He says, stop trying to work it out on your own. It's not in your hands. Hmm. So I got a couple more questions before I get let you out of here, okay? Right. Um, one of the questions. Can you be friends with somebody that's an atheist? You yes. personally? Yep. Like, how does that work? Like, how could you be friends with somebody if they don't believe in god like how how does that work like you know uh is that that's doable like okay 
it's, it's doable. I can be friends with an atheist. I absolutely could. Like, what? you don't think it would be a conflict between your beliefs when it comes to just morally going day by day through stuff? Like, you know? No, because to think that the atheist needs me more than my Christian friend. Why do you say that? Because my Christian friend already can see. My atheist friend can't. Jesus said, I came to those who are blind. Those who are sick need a physician, not those who are well. <laughs> so if I'm, with the, if I'm with an atheist hanging out, that atheist at some point is going to see Jesus in me. And that atheist at some point is going to have to accept the fact that I, I don't know if I've ever believed in God, but there's something different about you, and that's the hope and the expectation. Hmm. That's a very interesting point of view. Jesus was never afraid of people who didn't believe. In fact, let me tell you, Jesus had 12 disciples. One of his names was Judas. That was the one that spoke, to, uh, that, 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 um, that was the one that sold him out. Everybody know who Judas is, right? Uh -huh. Judas never believed that Jesus was the son of God. So Judas, in that context of scripture, is just as much atheist as the next man. Hmm. And Jesus true. knew it from the beginning and still said, come with me. Come walk with me, because he knew eventually he'll be able to show him something that he'll he knew, see. Because you know what truth does, though, Joe? Truth never changes, and truth doesn't argue. Jesus said, I'm the truth. I ain't got nothing, to, I ain't got nothing other than to do. Be myself. You'll see. Just follow me. See? And that's the thing. Uh, one thing I want to say about, like, Christianity and religion is that I personally had a lot of questions throughout it. Uh, I know I got friends that's uh, Islamic. Uh, I got friends that's Buddhist. I got friends that's different religions, Catholic. My mom and them is Catholic, but my dad and them is Baptist. And, yeah. um, you know, uh, I used to, I, my sister had, my sister, my one of my big sisters died when I was in ninth grade of cancer. And it mm -hmm. sent me into a situation and like right after that, like like four family members died, like uh like all in like the next two years, and uh oh wow, it sent me into that that space where I was like, you know, I don't know about the God thing, you know what I'm saying? Like I don't yeah. know, this don't seem something's up, I I'm not too sure, and all the time like uh I had to go to church, you know how you young and black, you gotta go to church, you know how they right, <laughs> you you ain't about to be at home on Sunday and everybody else at church, you but understand it, me? but it never was through my own will. But when I got to like my teenage years, I used to ask my dad, like, uh, I'm like, man, I don't understand it. You know, and he would buy me different versions of Bibles, like, you know, more relatable texts and different, different things. Mm -hmm. But one thing my dad always used to tell me, he was like, uh, don't worry about it. He was like, uh, just, you know, do your own study and then you'll, you'll figure it out. It'll come to you. Right. Mm -hmm. And I used to go, you know, and I hung around people that was into the Quran, five percenters, different stuff. And one thing I found out about uh, Christianity is that the faith that I don't because like I I try not to get like too deep into the actual context, but I be trying to like give the overall spread of what I found out about like religion that helped me mm -hmm. is that uh believing in God it installs it instills you with that faith and that hope yeah. and that faith and hope can definitely make you reach other plateaus in your personal life. Like, yes. uh, it gives you, like, discipline. It gives you patience. It yes. teaches you different things that a lot of people, they don't understand that because they so clouded about the other stuff that people say bashing different religions or doing different things. Right. You know what I'm saying? And um, 
Yeah, that's one of the things that uh that I did learn about faith-based religions and like Christianity. Uh what I wanted to ask you is uh, I got like two more questions. I wanted to ask you how what okay, uh so how do you look at mental health and religion? Mhm. Like, do you know how some people might have something wrong with them and it might be mental health-wise, like schizophrenia? Mm -hmm. And then you have people from the church, like, just pray it out of them. Yeah. What what advice would you give people so they won't... Because, you know, that could be hurtful in some situations. Right. So, like, how do you feel as a pastor about the difference between religion and mental health? And when is it time to take your loved one to the actual doctor? And when is time for them to bring them to church? Or do you feel well, like, or do you feel like the church can heal them? I feel no. no here, first and foremost, I do believe in in the laying on of hands and uh, praying for people, and because the Bible clearly shows us that. But I also believe that people need to go get some some help. You know what yeah, saying? like for real. Like, <laughs> like if you got some chemical going on in your brain that causes you to hallucinate or something else then you need more than prayer. You need prayer with professional help. Okay, yeah, because we, we have somebody close to us that's going through a situation where it's a mental health thing, but then you got older people mm -hmm. that's like like a parent or something. Of, and like, oh, just bring, just, I, I'm going to take them to church with me. We're going to pray mm -hmm. it out of them. I'm like, I, I don't think you can pray the voices out of a 40-year-old person. Like, I think they, they might... It might need to right. go to the doctor, but a lot of people, they are so in belief and in faith, it kind of somehow hinder rational decision making. True. There's a fine line between the two. You can you be saying? can you be overly godly to the point where it do affect your rational <laughs> decision making? Yes, because sometimes we can spiritualize practical things. If you have a gunshot wound. You better not try to pray that gunshot wound. You better go to the hospital. <laughs> <For sure. laughs> or you're going to be dead. Okay? Sure. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So so the, some of that stuff is just common sense. You know what I'm saying? Now, somebody with a mental illness or a mental disease, yes, God can heal them. But yes, there are people who are professional counselors who can give them some other testing and maybe some other things to coincide with. With the prayer. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Because at the end of the day, you're going to have to have both now. Yeah. That's just true. For sure. But a lot of times people, medicine and religion over the history and over the years, it, you know, it has caused the, it's a boundary, a thin boundary wall. You know what I'm saying? Because some people do feel like, I'm one of the main, I believe in miracles. Mm -hmm. I believe in, I've seen some miracles up close and personal. So I believe in Jesus and I know he grants, you know what I'm saying? I know the power that he can do, but when it comes to like maybe a sick baby, <laughs> yeah, you know what I'm saying? You got a sick baby. Uh, you might want to take your baby to the hospital. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. But some people are so religious and golf that they don't make good rational decisions. It's true. And I'll say this, you need both. You had to have both sides because there are sometimes when the doctor will tell you there's nothing else that we can do and this is the final diagnosis and God will be like, no, that ain't what, no, 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 no. Go back in there and pray again or go back in there and 
do whatever. And you got to be sensitive to that. You know what I'm saying? Because there are times when the doctors have given up on babies and God turned around and gave that person a miracle. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, true. So you got to be sensitive to both sides. Okay. Because, yeah, a lot of times I see people when their rational thinking goes out the window when they lean everything on religion. And I be telling people, like, some stuff, we of the world. Some yeah. stuff need a worldly fix. Like, I don't, you know what I'm saying? Like, uh, right. but it's always good to, you know, ask God and have that backing when it comes yeah. down to it. Absolutely. Because so. God put those doctors in place to do the same things, to help out. To say, to, yeah, right. To bring healing, you know what I mean? Right. Now, you uh, before, before we get about here, I got two more things. So one is I got a personal <laughs> advice question since we here. This is my podcast, Sunday Morning with a Cup of Joe. I like to get real intimate intimate with my listeners. And, mm -hmm. uh, you know, people like to think that, you know, I like to ask a lot of the questions, but I don't like to talk about myself some. But I yeah. wanted to ask you something as my homeboy and as a pastor. Yes, so, sir. you know me, I'm an ex-scumbag. You know, I, that's no yeah, secret. Yeah, it's no secret. I'm scum of the earth. Yeah, it's no secret. I've been out here thugging and, you know, doing a lot of things. And one of the things is when I got into my current relationship that I'm in right now of almost two years, at the very, very beginning of the relationship, I had a problem with infidelity. Okay. One problem. And I handled it. And, you know, I did the thing. You know, I asked my girl to take me back or whatever. And ask for her forgiveness and everything because I knew in my head I was like, man, you know something? The mistake that I made was I had some insecurities as a man that I was dealing with. All right. You know what I'm saying? And I had to realize that in the mistake that I made and going through that whole process of trying to to make it right with my girl, I realized that I realized why I made the mistake because I told you know in the past you know I cheated something I ain't even trying to even talk about what <laughs> what it was for that time I did because I didn't like you or something you know what I'm saying like that right. like and I just had to come more um responsible you know what I'm saying and I had to become more acknowledging of like my fault that I did so once yes. I once I sat down and I kind of got to the nitty gritty of it you know I asked her to take me back and since then I've been. 100% you know faithfully on the up and up and stuff yeah flying and, right yeah 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 and it feels definitely good there's nothing like it for real I, I suggest this to everybody for real like because the other stuff it's just too stressful and it's too time consuming yeah. and if you get you the right one you definitely can progress more in life just doing the, the doing the, doing right, it way. the right way right <laughs> so this is what I wanted to ask you though we have a hard time healing over past events in our relationship my girl is gonna fucking kill me when she <laughs> she's gonna be like, "Oh, did this what you gonna do? <laughs> oh, you oh, you little <laughs> so what you do with your little friend? Yeah, but so that's why I'm trying to put it on me. So like like uh, so but now we have a hard time like after arguments or after little conflicts that it's hard uh moving forward. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Or like getting over past events that. That's far in the past. I'm talking about, you know, like years. You know what I'm saying? Like stuff yeah, yeah, that we yeah. that we try and get over. What would be your advice to a couple to help with healing over arguments? Not big conflicts, just small arguments. You know, like y'all might over argue over somebody should have did this and forgot to do it. Or, you know, somebody might have said something and it might have 
got perceived wrong and somebody might have an attitude. And after you guys get it out, though, what are some of the steps can a couple do as moving forwards? And yes, I turned you into a couples counselor live on air. Mm-hmm. Yes, mm-hmm. I, did. <laughs> I did that. Mm-hmm. Turned you into a couples counselor fast. Just like I, mean, I, I, I counsel, I counsel uh, couples. I do all that stuff here. So what are some, to understand you right, so what are some things that you can do to heal? Yeah, to help with the healing process. To help with the healing process. You know how you get into it with somebody and afterwards it's kind of the air is still hot. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? When you get into it with somebody, you know how the air is still like, I ain't going to want to talk to you. You know what I'm saying? It's still right. kind of a little steamy. What are some of the steps that we can do as a couple moving forward that can help us out and help other couples out too? That go okay. through, you know, small arguments. That's really not nothing. But how do you get over them and not turn them into bigger is you 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 have to you you have to play the long game and playing the long game means that the we have to I have to continue to look at the bigger picture you know what I'm saying the bigger picture which requires me to give grace hmm. when I say give grace what I mean is is that I'm going to I'm going to excuse it. I'm going to, I'm going to excuse it, and and I'm going to allow God to heal me because the healing is not on the other person. The healing is on the person who's carrying the hurt. And that's what my girl told me one day. She's like, "You can't help me heal." No, but what can help her heal is realizing that grace is more important. When I say grace, what I mean is simply this, man, because I've been there and, and sometimes it takes time, you know, for people to heal. But it's just as simple as when you hurt yourself in real life. You can't put pressure on the wound. You can't keep touching the wound. You know what I'm saying? So the only way to heal is to leave it alone. And that's for her and that's for you. You know what I'm saying? And when you find those find yourself going into those places, you have to you you have to stop yourself and pull back. You know what I mean? And realize that we're moving forward and we're keeping my I'm keeping my eyes and my focus on on moving forward. You know what I'm saying? And so that's for for me that would be the the, the best thing to do is just to remember the play the long game and and remember that hey, this person is flawed, and I'm gonna be okay. You know what I'm saying? And stop nur- and stop nursing that that injury. You know what I'm saying? Building on yeah, the hurt, yeah. Building yes. on the hurt. Yes, 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 yes. And we and we also go imp- we implement prayer and everything. And uh, I think we're gonna go see a couple of counselors coming up soon. But yeah, we actually in a good. We doing act. We doing excellent. Everything's moving forward, and we definitely in a positive space. I just always. As I, I am always acceptable for advice. Mm-hmm. I'm always open to advice, especially for people mm-hmm. that I know, that know me. And that's another thing. Like I'm definitely acceptable for advice that people that know me from my past. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? That know me now because, um, like, yeah, man, I work hard at this. And you know what I'm saying? I'm trying to stay and on track. A, and the thing is, man, is that is that it's a it's a choice. And I think one of the biggest things that hinder relationships, Joe, is expectations. Mm-hmm. Because
because we both come to relationships with a box. And it's okay to have hopes, dreams, and desires, but it's not okay to put those hopes, dreams, and desires on the next person to fulfill them. Hmm. Explain. Like, so you're saying it's not okay for you to have your own hopes and dreams and then meet somebody and expect them to be able to fulfill your hopes and dreams that they don't even know of? <laughs> Thank you. Exactly. <laughs> Because the moment that you take your hopes and dreams and your desires and what you expect and you put them on the other person, then now you're expecting that other person to fulfill your hopes, dreams, and desires. You see what I'm saying? And the reason why that's unfair is because your hope, dreams, and desires came from your environment. Right, and they're a stranger to that. And likewise for them. Their, their, you know, so your whole, your whole dreams and desires came from yours, and if you put that on them, then now you're making them live up to something that they were not even trained to. Right. And you want to, you want to kill the debt debtor relationship. So, because expectations are what breed entitlement. Hmm. And when a person feels entitled to something, and they don't get it, that starts to kill and tear at the fabric of your relationship because they feel like they deserve it and you didn't provide that. Hmm. So all of that ties into when you hurt people and when you let them down. Yes, because you can feel very let down if somebody don't do what you expect. On both sides. And and you know what? At the end of the day, um, forgiveness is easy. Forgetting is hard. Yes, and that's the thing. You know, when you arguing and people saying crazy stuff and then you got to come back and be cool, right. it's like, oh, man. Like, you know, so that that definitely is something that that is work onable. <laughs> yeah, and at the end of the day, I'll say this and I'll be done. Her, her, when people are hurt, we hurt from our heart. Our heart is the center of our will, emotions, and intentions. We hurt from our heart. And the only way to be healed is to allow God to heal us in our heart. And that's something that we have to do, which is why I, I don't know why I kept hearing the scripture this whole time we've been talking. But I want to tell you, and, and I guess you could tell your girl, that cast all of your cares, your anxieties, and your worries on God. Everything that she feels, everything that you feel, your worries, your stresses, your anxieties, cast them on him. Because he can care, carry it. And... Where you spend your mind is what controls how you feel. So there has to be a reshifting of the thinking. The Bible teaches that we, whatever things are pure, lovely, honest, of good report, focus on those things, which is an intentional choice, that I'm going to focus on the good stuff and not the stuff that hurts me. Good game. Good game, my brother. Yes, indeed. Before we go, I got a thing we do on my show. It's called Three and Out, right? Yeah. So you get you got to pick. Give me one book, one movie, an album or a track from an artist that you would suggest people to go listen to, read, or go see. Okay. One book, because I am a relationship and, and count, a relationship with couples counselor and all of this stuff. The one book I I would want any and everybody to go read is a book called Love and Respect. By Dr. Emerson Egridge. Okay. I, I, I give it to every one of my married couples, every one of my struggling couples. Met, Love and Respect by Dr. Emerson Egridge. 
That's one book. We're going to the bookstore today. <laughs> it's an amazing book. I promise you. It's an amazing book. And you said um, a song? A song or album or track, you know, from something. Yeah, just musical. Anything. Okay. So I would say uh, what have I been listening to lately that's just been good to me? Oh, man. I may have to come back to that one. Okay. What's the, what's the third one? And a movie. A movie. Go see... Um, go see Black Klansman, KKK. Go see that Spike Lee. <laughs> I was just about to watch that after this. <laughs> go see that. Go see that joint, man. Is it, is it funny? Yeah, it's, it's all right, man. It's good. It's it, yeah. This it's all right. That's I'm gonna check stuff. it out today, man. Yeah, I was yeah, gonna yeah. watch go it today. Go see Black Klansman, man. I was watching today, yes. man. Mm-hmm. I got. I mean, I'm gonna check it out today. Go see Black Klansman. And as far as like a song, um, I would say. Um, jeez, what's it's so many songs running through my head. Um, just trying to think of what I've been listening to lately. I'm going blank because I listen. Give, to so much. give us one. Give us one of your favorite songs. Okay, one of my favorite favorite songs. Um, oh man. What about yours? <laughs> man, I'm still thinking of of what's a, what's some like a good song, man. Like, uh, I would say anything, anything right now from I would say go support anything that 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 like I, I really like J Cole. I like what J Cole is doing. Okay, okay, yeah, we love Cole. We love Cole. I want to thank you, Jeremy Jackson, the pastor, the founder of Beyond Church. Yeah, man. I want you to tell everybody where they can find you at, where they can find your church. Okay. So we are in Irving, Las Colinas, man. Our our, um, address is 3150 Premier Drive. Irving, Texas, Suite 142. And you can find us also at www.thebeyondchurch.com. And um, you can also find us on Instagram, thebeyondchurch.com, and Facebook, beyondchurch.com. I want to thank you so much, man. I want to say I'm very proud of you, man. I've been knowing you for so long. And man, like, appreciate that, and Joe. We, we, got, we, uh, we could have told some stories over this thing, but I really oh, want to man. We could have told uh, some stories of this know. thing. Because we definitely, you know, we've been in the trenches together. You know what I'm saying? Man, and, uh, uh, we, yeah. and we have thug, and we've been also, we've been indie artists together because I did, yes, we sir. didn't even get into stories about when me and your friend was signed on the indie label. Yeah, <laughs> and you definitely yeah, was yeah. like, I'm not signing, but I'm here. Right. <laughs> but you but you grinded out on us, man. We've been slept on a lot right. of floors, a lot of couches, man. Man. To put this to put this thing together as an artist. And to, to see you taking your artistry and turning it over to the word and painting in people's lives. Mm. Playing the soundtrack to people's lives and helping mm. people get to a greater cause, man. It's it's very refreshing, especially being a young black man from where you from, man. 
And I want to I want to thank you a lot. Uh, before we go, before we get up out of here, though, I got one more thing for you. Can you hear me? I'm listening. Before, yeah, I'm listening. Before, yeah. before we get up out of here, I want one. I need one more thing for you. I need you to get. I need you to uh, leave us off with a little with a little word, with a little prayer before we get up out of here. All right, bet I can do that. I can definitely do that. Can you hear me? Yeah. Can you hear me? Yeah, I got you. Okay. Yeah. If you can hear me, so yeah, I'm definitely gonna pray, man. And I want to tell you too. Likewise, I'm proud of you, man. I'm proud of the man you're becoming. I'm proud of what you are doing, man, with your with your gift and with your talent. And uh, man, you you still. You still my guy, man. Still close to the edge. Man. I love that song, man. <laughs> That's the one people need to go listen to. I'm close to the edge. That's a bad song. Boy. Yes, indeed, man. I'm a bad song. Yes, thank you. <laughs> so let's pray real quick, man. Uh, Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for this uh, opportunity to have this discussion and conversation tonight. I thank you for Joe for providing the platform for this moment. I ask Heavenly Father that you would use this platform, use this particular podcast, video cast, as an opportunity for the kingdom and for someone's eyes to be opened up to how much you love them in so much that you sent your son Jesus Christ to die at Calvary for them and for us all. I ask you, Heavenly Father that you would bless Joe and everything that he does and give him clarity and understanding of who you are. And I just ask these many blessings in your son's name for all the listeners that are watching or listening today or that will be listening. Uh, I thank you for them now. And it's in Jesus Christ's name I pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks a lot, right. Jeremy. And that was another Appreciate episode it. of Take Sunday Joe. Mornings with a Cup of Joe in the building. Yes, sir. If the work week is stressing you out and you're searching for a relaxing Sunday morning vibe, then come over and enjoy Sunday mornings with a cup of Joe with your host, Joey Stacks, as he takes you on a weekly journey for your soul that starts with a relaxing cup of Joe. So if you're in need of some great conversation with a splash of Neo soul, then you're in the right place. So tune in as we catch a cool vibe with Sunday mornings with a cup of Joe.